So we are in Genesis chapter 48 this evening. Uh, just by way of reminder, if you haven't signed up for the conference this week, uh, you can still jump in at the last minute here if you want. Uh, you'd have to let them know tonight for that. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. The ushers have them. I'd be glad to give you one. Uh, by the way, if you don't know, I'm Pastor Chris. I used to work here. <laughs> <laughs> Most of you still know me, but there's a few of you that I don't recognize, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. All right, so Genesis chapter 48, we are continuing the study through Genesis here, and, and that story, this incredible story of Joseph and the restoration between he and his brothers, and you guys have been looking at that, and it is one of the most wonderful stories. I'll tell you a quick story. I just... This just crossed my mind to tell you this because of it being pertinent to Joseph. So I was in the, uh, we had, happened to have United Passes, we get them every once in a while, to be able to go in the nice lounge and hang out and wait in the airport in Portland on our way coming home the other day. We were taking a red eye home, which turned out to be a difficult decision. Uh, but, but anyway, so uh, while we were in there, I was up there at the, uh, at the bar speaking to the bartenders. <laughs> about the Lord. You know, the one lady said, I said, I, I better tell my wife where I am. She said, oh, she'll know you're at the bar. I said, I'm a pastor. Come on. How would she know that? Anyway, but the, this one fellow that was there, his name was Matt. And Matt is really searching and trying to find his way. And he, he has a very strange story of how he and his wife got separated and they're, you know. Anyway, he ended up in jail for a year and a half and he was down and out and bummed out and didn't know what was going on. And he started reading. Someone told him to read the story of Joseph in the Bible. So he went, because he felt like he's wrongly accused. And I'm not going to do all that stuff. I don't know whether he is or isn't. Uh, but he started reading the Bible. And as he's reading the Bible, he's realizing that he really can relate to this guy, Joseph, right? And then I said to him, I said, well, you know what it says in chapter 50? He said, what? I said, it says that what God intended, or what you intended for evil, he says, Joseph says this to his brothers, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. The guy said, what? And I got to preach the gospel to him, and he's wide open, and I told him to pray and receive the Lord, and I gave him, the word, gave him scriptures to look up, and he's coming to church next Sunday in Oregon where I preach, where I'm preaching. So, Amazing. I just thought of that when I walked up here. Anyway, praise the Lord. So here we are in Genesis chapter 48, and it begins and says, now it came to pass after these things. Well, what has just taken place is that uh, Jacob has asked his son Joseph to make sure he doesn't get buried in Egypt, but that he gets sent back to his remains to Canaan, uh, Shechem to be exact, where his fathers are buried and Joseph, that Joseph was told, indeed, your father is sick. So after that took place, he hears the word, your father is sick. And he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. Now, when you get this news, your father is sick. And, and many of us in this room have received news like this. Your father is sick. Your father is dying. Your parent is dying. Your friend, whatever it is. And you, you face this. You know, and, and, and it's a difficult thing to face. And we don't know how much time had gone by here, but he's told the news, and it's hard to receive that news. The doctor wants to see you. 
The diagnosis is this. The report says cancer. You have a tumor. These are, these are things that are hard words. But you know, these old tents just break down, don't they? <laughs> they just don't last forever. Now, some of you young people think, what are you talking about? I'm doing great. Well, I'm not doing great <laughs> physically. It, it, you know, I got pains that I didn't even know I had. You know, I wake up with new ones. Anybody, anybody do that where you just wake up with a new one? Like, where did that come from? And then I find myself looking on the internet trying to figure out, I had sharp pain in my left heel. You know, sharp pain in your left heel. Go to the hospital. No, <laughs> you know, get freaked out by this stuff. And the reason these tents break down is because we have a fallen nature, right? Because of the nature of sin. People ask that question oftentimes. Why do people get sick? Why do children die? Why do bad things happen to people? Well, the answer is sin. Not individual sin necessarily, although it can be that. You know, someone abuses their body, but the sinful nature of this fallen world. We live in a fallen society. We live in a, in a world that has turned from God and has fallen, and thus, because we have fallen, we, we fall physically, and we will physically die. Remember, that's what God said to Adam and Eve. The day you eat of this, you shall surely die. And they died spiritually at that moment, and they began to physically die. And the process was very long for them in those days and became shorter and shorter as time went on. And even here, we're going to find Jacob is 147 years old. So he's, he's, got a, he's had a pretty good life, pretty long life. And so Joseph hears the word, and he says, you know, you're dying. My dad's dying. Let's, you boys come with me, these two young men. And he brings his two sons with him to their father. I just saw my grandsons in the foyer, and I wrapped my arms around them, and I said, Lord, bless you boys. I said, you know, I'm going to do a message on a grandpa blessing his grandsons. Right now, I'm doing this right now. Do you want to come up and I can lay hands on you? And they went, no. <laughs> that would have been cool, wouldn't it? And it, you know what's interesting about this scene? And I, I want to draw your attention to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 21 for a moment. Or for, yeah, verse 21. You don't need to turn there. I'll just see. You can look it up later if you want. You can look, turn if you want. But it says, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. It's so interesting that this scene that we're about to look at is the scene that is pointed out as Jacob's greatest moment of faith. Isn't that fascinating? In the book of Hebrews chapter 11, it is that hall of faith chapter, right? So it goes through all the things about the various people in the Old Testament who walked by faith, and Moses, and Abraham, and David, and many greats, but the one they pull out for Jacob is this story of when Jacob blesses his grandsons. Of all things that Jacob's been through. I mean, he's been through God appearing and him seeing the ladder and the up and down of, of, of the angels in heaven going up and down the ladder. He's experienced uh, the brook Jabbok where he had a wrestling match with the angel of the Lord and it, and it says he prevailed. It would seem like those things were greater faith than this, but yet God says, this, this is the thing that I want to point out to you about Jacob's life in the New Testament. 
In a sense, it's this most important scene of Jacob's life. I, I, I find that very fascinating. Now, estimated ages, Joseph is in, in his mid-50s at this point. Uh, his sons are probably in their 20s. I, I've seen depictions of this picture of Jacob blessing his grandsons and their little boys, like my grandsons were little boys, but they're not little boys at this point. They're, in their, they're, they're, they're young men. And Jacob is 147 years old. And, uh, and they lived that long in those days at times. You know, uh, not all of them did, but it, it seems as though, again, lifespan has just gotten shorter and shorter. It's funny, with modern medicine, we don't have people living to 147. Isn't that interesting? And Jacob was told, look, your son Joseph is coming to you, and Israel strengthened himself. Remember, his name was changed to Israel, so we see an interchanging of Jacob and Israel, the names Jacob and Israel. Remember, Jacob means kind of heel snatcher, it means conniver, it means uh, scoundrel, and uh, Israel means governed by God. Right, So Jacob's had this incredible transformation in his life. And it says, and Israel strengthened himself and sat up on the bed. He probably had the staff that he later points out that he has, and he's strengthened himself up. He's, he's getting ready for, to see his grandsons, to see his son. And, he, he, and Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. And said to me, Behold, I make you a fruitful and make you fruitful and multiply you, and I will make you a multitude of people and give this land to your descendants after you as an everlasting possession. Now he's not talking, of course, about Egypt. He's talking about the land of Canaan. And he's blind, we're gonna see. But what's interesting is he's blind, but he's seeing the land in his mind's eye of what God's going to give him. And he's been to the land, he's lived in the land, he's dwelt in the land, but he hasn't possessed the land yet. Remember that, that they didn't really possess the land yet. And Joseph then brings his two sons into the scene. Jacob says, hey, God's, God appeared to me. He told me he was gonna bless me. And we remember reading that in Genesis earlier on, I think it was around 35. And now your two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt, are mine. As Reuben and Sibion, they shall be mine. I'm stealing your sons. I can imagine me trying to have this conversation with Mike and Lauren. Those two boys are mine. (laughs) But in a sense, you know, what do you think also the boys are thinking? These young men. Hey, Dad... Tell him we're not his. <laughs> well, you know, Grandpa's okay, but we don't want to go live with him. <laughs> what does this mean? Well, what he's doing is he's saying, listen, you two, these two young men are going to be part of the inheritance. They're going to be part of the blessing. Joseph, your blessing is going to be passed on to them. I want them to have this. And there's reasons why he's doing this, but the biggest is that God is directing him to do it. It's the sovereign hand of God. And at this point, he doesn't even know that these, these young men are there. And he just says, you know, he's, he's speaking prophetically here, though. Jacob has a word. It's, it's in his heart. God has put this in his heart. You know, when you're, you're sick and you're 147 years old, you've got a lot of time to think and a lot of time to pray and a lot of time to consider. Uh, I just uh, was ministering to this pastor in Oregon who 
the fellow that I'm filling in for, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a sabbatical. He's, he's on sabbatical and I'm filling in for him while he's on sabbatical. But strange thing happened. While this man was on sabbatical, he had a massive heart attack and coded and almost died. And, you know, in ministering to this guy, he said, he said, you know, he spent three full weeks in the hospital recovering from the heart attack, and then he's got all kinds of other things, and he said, you know, I've had so much time to think and to pray and to consider what God wants next, and it's really been good for him. And once he said, best thing that ever happened to me is I had a heart attack. I had another fellow tell me that this week. I, I don't, I'm not looking forward. I'm not asking for that, but I'm just saying. Two different fellows that said to me, best thing that happened to him recently was they had a heart attack. Slowed them down, made them think. And this, this is where Jacob is. He's in this place. He doesn't know the fellows are there yet, but he says, your offspring, verse 6, whom you begat after them shall be yours. Anybody, any kids you have ongoing are yours, but they will be called by the name of their brothers in their inheritance. Any other children you can have, but these two, God's hand is on them. God's choosing them. You, you realize that God has a right to make choices, right? You know, sometimes we, 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 we kind of forget that, but God is sovereign and he can choose. And aren't you glad he chose you? I'm, I'm really glad he chose me. Not only did he chose me to be saved, but he chose me and he put me into the ministry and he allows me to minister and serve. What a privilege it is to be chosen by God. Jesus even said it. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you before the foundations of the world. But as for me, Jacob says, when I came to Padam, Rachel died beside me in the land of Canaan on the way. There was but a little distance to go to Ephraim. And I buried her there on the way to Ephraim, that is, Bethlehem. He's still thinking about the love of his life, Rachel. Now, you might recall that there were four different women in Jacob's life. There was Rachel, there was Leah, there was his two concubines, Bilhah and Zilpah. Thank you. Somebody, somebody's really got their Bible down. That's good. But you remember that he worked for seven years to get Rachel, he thought he was gaining Rachel by working for Laban for seven years. But then they had a tradition. We have a tradition, Laban told him. We marry off the firstborn. <laughs> and so he woke up in the morning to, ah, Leah. <laughs> What's going on here? I, I can't, you know, the way marriage is these days, I, can you even imagine, like, you, 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 you know, because, again, it's a different scene completely. They had, you know, it's completely dark. You don't even know who this is. And next thing you know, you we're married? <laughs> so then he said, okay, well, I want, the, I want her too. So now he worked another seven years, and it was as if it was a day because he loved her so much. And she died in childbirth with Benjamin. Benjamin being the only full-blood brother of Joseph. Joseph is the only other child born of Rachel. And so he's reminding Joseph, hey, your mom, she was the love of my life. 
And even perhaps he's justifying these decisions for that reason, in a sense. And he's saying, you know, he said it was there in Bethlehem that it took place. And I would have been satisfied with her all my life if I'd had her. And then Israel saw Joseph's sons and says, who are these? So apparently he wanted the sons. He knew, knew he had sons, but he, he, didn't, he didn't know who they were at that point, or he doesn't recognize them. And Joseph said, they, they are my sons and whom the Lord has given me in this place. And he said, please bring them to me and I will bless them. What a great thing. You know, you, you, you know you've got the patriarch. Uh, patriarch of the family, he's the, he's the guy, he's the main, he's the man who's led the family for all these years. And Joseph has been reunited with his father and he's, the, 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 the missing of his family and the missing of his father and, the, you know, the, the drama that's taken place of, of the whole story and, and now here they are reunited and now his sons. He's meeting his grandsons and he's, Joseph is, I'm sure, overjoyed you know, so proud to be able to present these two sons to Jacob. Bring them to me and I will bless them. I'm sure those words were just such warmth to Joseph's heart. He's gonna be, they're gonna be blessed by you. And, and, he, and the eyes of Israel were dim with age so that he could not see. So keep that in mind. He can't see with his eyes physically. He's physically blind. Then Joseph brought them near, and he kissed them and embraced them. A lot of emotion going on here, a lot of pathos, just this love, this desire, this heart for one another, this family. You know, there's nothing quite like family. You know, we, we, we love being with our family, our grandkids, our, our kids, and just hanging out with them, and just, there's nothing like it. I mean, I, you know, being a grandfather is one of the greatest things in my life. We had the privilege of meeting Mike and Lauren and the kids in Yosemite National Park while we were in Oregon and they were in California. And so we flew down to where Yosemite was near there and we rented a house for a couple nights and we hung out with them and went to Yosemite. It was such a blast. It was so fun. And just that heart. And Joseph says, and they kissed him and embraced him. And Israel said to Joseph, I have not thought to see your face, but in fact, look at, the, look at the emotion in this. God has shown me your offspring. I thought I'd never see you again, Joseph. I thought you were dead. I thought not to see your face. And now I'm seeing the face of your sons. I'm seeing the face of my grandsons. It was a hope I had lost. There was no chance of this in his mind. Remember, they had told him Joseph was dead. And he'd been dead for many years. And, and just even the emotion of hearing that he was alive. And then ultimately getting to see him and spend time with him. It, 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 you know, just try and put yourself there in that place. He's just so blessed to be by, by the great work of God, even, of bringing them back together. God has done such an incredible thing to bring them together here. What a, what a scene this is. And look at what happens, verse 12. And Joseph brought them from beside his knees 
and he bowed down with his face to the earth. Listen, this is an act of worship and emotion and just, he's overwhelmed with what's taking place before his eyes. To think that one day his father, and even from Joseph's point of view, Joseph is leading all of Egypt. He's, he's a busy man. He's a man who's in charge of all these things. And, and, and he doesn't know he's ever going to see his brothers again. And then here they show up. And then is his father even alive? And he gets to see his father. And now his father is getting connected to his sons. Ah, it's, it's beyond anything we can comprehend. I have the blessing and have had the blessing of being around my grandchildren all the time. But I can't imagine. You know, we had one period of time where Mike and Lauren moved out of the country. I can't believe they did it. <laughs> Hannah was only three weeks old. And they took her from us. <laughs> and they went to Brazil. First to Bahamas and then Brazil. I'm like, what are you doing? And then they pulled the call of God card on me. He said, well, we're called by God. Well, leave the baby then. You know, it's kind of, it was really tough, man. And that was only for a short period, you know, and we got, they got, obviously we've been reunited, but when they came back, man, it was so great when they came back. And then when they came back, they told us the next one was coming, and we were like, yeah, you're not going anywhere now. <laughs> and it was then, by the way, when he was away, that God spoke to both of us about him pastoring this church one day. And that's 11 years ago. We both knew it. We didn't know the timing of it. God developed that in time. But what a scene this is. The ruler of Egypt bowing down to this old Hebrew father. That's the scene we're looking at. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand, toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh with his left hand toward Israel's right hand, and he brought them near. So Joseph is setting this up so that Jacob will bless the, the right ones from his perspective. Manasseh's the older one, and so he's bringing him to the right hand, and, and Ephraim's the younger one, and he's bringing him to the left hand because that, that's the way it's supposed to be. You're supposed to bless the older and not the younger, you know, and, and it's very interesting how he's setting this all up. Then Israel, Joseph, stretched out his, or J Jacob stretched out his, hand, his right hand and laid it on Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand on Manasseh's head. He's crossing his arms. It's a cross-cultural thing going on here. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a cross-connection. And he's... He's guiding his hands knowingly for Manasseh was the firstborn. It, 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 it's so interesting. And he blessed Joseph. Now remember, he's blind and he's doing this. He's crossing his hands to make sure he blesses the ones that God's directing him to bless in the order that God is directing See, instead of being led by his eyes, jo Jacob is being led by faith and by the Spirit. Because sometimes what we see with our eyes is not what 
what is real, right? It's faith. You see with the eyes of faith, and Jacob is seeing with the eyes of faith. You remember that Jacob had cunningly deceived his brother Esau. You remember that Jacob had gotten Esau to forfeit his birthright, and then he, he fooled his, older, his elderly father into giving him the coveted blessing of the firstborn. You would almost think this sneaky guy is being a sneak again. It would appear. But this one is a man submitted to God. It's different. It's totally different. Turn to that verse in Hebrews with me. I'm, I'm sorry to make you do that, but I, I want you to see something here. Hebrews chapter 11. I'm not sorry to make you do that. Why did I say that? <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11, verse 21. It says, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped leaning on the top of his staff. In, in a sense, Jace, Jacob sort of started out as a spiritual midget, but now he finishes a spiritual giant because he walked by faith. And there's some things that we see here. And the first thing we see is that Jacob willed to do what he did by faith. The whole account here tells us that Jacob was pronouncing a blessing upon these two sons, and Manasseh was the firstborn in line for that special blessing. But Scripture records how Jacob knowingly crossed his arms. He did this. Even though Joseph raised a protest. He did this according to the will of God. He knew. That's what Hebrews tells us. This was God's will that Manasseh, or that, that Ephraim would receive the blessing, not Manasseh. Yeah, Manasseh got a blessing, but Ephraim was to receive the first blessing. And then I want, I want you to notice also in Hebrews 12, 11, 21, look what it says. And when he was dying, he worshiped leaning on his staff, on the top of his staff. Jacob is dying, and he's worshiping while he's dying. That's a great way to go out, you know? I, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story about when my dad passed away. I, I've told this before, so if you've heard it, that's okay. You can hear it again. So my dad got pneumonia, and uh, all of us were able to get there before he got too bad, and he was conscious, and we were able to talk to him, but then it just kept progressing, and they couldn't handle it. It couldn't, wouldn't get any worse, and we had just left the hospital. We were back at my mother-in-law's house, and sure enough, we get the call, come on back. We get back there, and so my family's there, my mother, my sisters, and my wife, and we're all surrounding my father's bed. My parents used to, my parents were Roman Catholic, but they got saved in their latter years, but they, they still had the Catholic rote prayer thing in their minds, so they, they always recited the Lord's Prayer before they went to bed at night. That was just something they did every night of their, you know, whenever they could, you know. And so in the last few years especially, and so here we are around my dad's bed, and he's got that labored breathing going on, and it's really tough, and, and uh, we're just praying, and, and, uh, and I just said, well, let's, let's just pray the Lord's Prayer together. So we join hands, all of us, and we begin to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation. For, and, and right then, 
he went, and I said, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. And he was gone. Right as I said, the, for thine is the kingdom, he went to the kingdom. What a way to go, amen? amen? Now, interestingly, him being a Catholic, they don't pray that part of the prayer, so he might have just left because he didn't want to hear it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. Because I actually got them to pray that, that part of the prayer later in life. Because I said, hey, this is, this is a good part of the prayer. You shouldn't skip it. <laughs> but imagine, that's, that's what this is sort of, I mean, there's this experience going on here at the deathbed. And it says he worshipped leaning on his staff. Jacob was literally worshiping God while he was dying. Now, I don't know if you've ever been with someone who's dying, but it's a hard scene. And especially if you don't know if they know the Lord, it's a really hard scene then. But when you see and you know someone knows the Lord, it's really very peaceful for the most part. It's really something where you just, they just kind of go to sleep and you go, okay, praise the Lord. You know? And you're sad because you miss them. But what, what an incredible uh, uh, thing here of, of contrast. You're dying, but you're worshiping. It's, it's interesting because when you contrast Jacob's birth, he's fighting at his birth. He's grabbing his brother's heel and trying to pull him back into the womb <laughs> when he's being born. And when he's dying, he's submitted and worshiping God. And that's, not a, that's not a bad way to go. And he did this by faith. He went from worshiping on his earthly deathbed to worshiping in his heavenly place in that flash of a moment. Sometimes, you know, I think of Jacob not being able to see in this scenario we're looking at. And sometimes I think it might be better if we were physically blind. You ever think that? Like, if you, sometimes our eyes get in our way. They deceive us. And what we see with our physical eyes actually affects us negatively. And and with this, Jacob is seeing things. He's led by the, by the eye of the Lord, by his spirit. Years later, he had tried to steal the blessing. Now he's yielded to the plan of God. Look what he goes on to say in verse 17, the end of verse 17. Go back to Genesis with me. It says, God, before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has fed me all my life long to this day. All my life, he's been faithful, amen? amen. I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I weep when I hear that song. It, it really hits me. Because I look at my life and I think, man, I'm 66 years old and for 43 of those 66 years, and even before that, I mean, I didn't even know he was leading my life and he was leading my life, right? He was protecting me before I even knew that he was real. And you think of your life and how God was there. He was there over and over. He never took his eye off you. He never took his hand off you. He never stopped thinking about you. It, 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 and I know that's hard for us to fathom because he thinks about all of us at, all at the same time, but individually. <laughs> and verse 16, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil... Bless the lads, he says. Let my name be named upon them. 
the name of my fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and it becomes Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? The blessing that's given. And let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Hey, may the Lord do a great work in these guys. May God bless them. May God multiply them. May they just be used by him. May, may, may they have children upon children and may they multiply throughout the, work, the earth. He says, you know, I'm honoring the God who fed me all the way. The God who shepherded me. The God who led my life. And he knows, he knows now, Jacob knows now, that God is the one who was in control all the time. You know, the older you get, I think that that becomes something maybe you think more about and realize. You know, when you're a young person, it seems like, I don't know, I thought I was the, the, the master of my own destiny. I thought I was in control of my life. Even as a Christian, you think, well, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to succeed here and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go there. And, and, and then you realize the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delights in his way. He, he, you know, he's, he's leading and guiding. I, I trust in the Lord with all my heart. I lean not on my own understanding. In all my ways, I acknowledge him, and he directs my paths. Thy word is a light unto your path. He, he's leading you. He's guiding you each and every step. And that's what faith is, by the way. You know what faith is? It's spiritually taking one step at a time. It's putting one foot in front of the other. And it doesn't allow you always to see way out in front. It, it, sometimes you only see just right in front of you. Okay, what are we doing today? All right, today we'll go here. And, and sometimes, what are we doing next week? But the life of faith is all about that. And that's what Jacob is realizing, that even though he struggled with it, even though he fought against some of the things of God, he realizes, hey, in the end, Lord, you knew and you were in control and Joseph's alive and my grandsons are alive and you knew all that. That was all part of your plan. You sent Joseph before us to preserve our posterity. You made the way, Lord. You made the way. And, and you know, sometimes we think of, of what's gone on in, on our, in around us, and we, we get upset with God, and we think, God, what are you doing? What's going on? And, and we need to remember that he causes all things to work together for the good of them who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. Amen? Amen. And he blesses them. Notice he also talks about redemption here. It's the first time the word redeemed is used in the Bible. Jacob's realizing, I've been bought, man. I'm redeemed. I'm not, I can't do this on my own. I didn't do anything that's happened in my life is not because of what I've done. It's because of what he's done. And do you realize when you look at your life, when you realize that, that's when you maybe sort of arrive at your Christian life to say, you know what? It's all about him. It's not about me. It's not about what I do and what I accomplish or don't accomplish. Listen, I would accomplish nothing were it not for him. Remember the verse, it says, without him we can do nothing. Amen? 
Now Joseph saw that his father laid, hand, laid his right hand on the hand of Ephraim, and it displeased him. So he took hold of his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, not so, my father, for this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. Now Joseph's a little self-willed here, isn't he? He doesn't get it. He doesn't see it. He doesn't, he's not seeing with the eyes of faith like Jacob is at this point. And we know that Joseph is a very spiritual man. And it's very possible at times for very spiritual people to not see with the eyes of faith for a, for a moment, for a season, or in a situation. He doesn't want the younger to get the blessing. It, 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 this is the tradition. This is what we do. The older gets the blessing. What are you doing, Jacob? What are you doing, Dad? Come on, you're, 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 you're getting senile here, Pop. But his father refused. He said, I know, my son, I know. He also shall become a people, and he also shall become great. But truly his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his descendants shall become a multitude of nations. And this became true. The northern tribes became known as the tribes of Ephraim. So he blessed them that day saying, by you, Israel will bless, saying, may God make you as Ephraim and Manasseh. And thus he set Ephraim before Manasseh. And when years would come down the road later on and they would use the names of the tribes, they would say this blessing, may you become as Ephraim and as Manasseh. Always Ephraim first. And Israel said to Joseph, behold, I'm dying. But God will be with you and bring you back to the land of your fathers. Moreover, I have given you one portion above your brothers, which I took from the hand of the Amorite and with my sword and my bow. Now, interestingly, there are, there are 12 tribes of Israel. Joseph is not mentioned as one of the tribes, but the two tribes that are mentioned are Manasseh, Ephraim and Manasseh. See, I almost did it. I almost said Manasseh first. It's Ephraim and Manasseh who are mentioned as part of the 12 tribes. And interestingly, Reuben and Simeon are excluded from the tribes and at times, and also Levi. And the reason with Reuben and Simeon, well, Reuben, we know, had immoral relations with one of the concubines. And then Simeon was part of this murdering of these men in Shechem, and so it's, it's God's dealing with He's sort of purging and making the tribes what he wants them to be. And these two get a double blessing. And Joseph gets, to bury, gets buried, by the way, in Shechem, but Jacob goes back to, or excuse me, yeah, yeah Jacob gets buried in Shechem. And Joseph, they take his bones back to Shechem later on after he dies. It's interesting because receiving the blessings of God is such an incredibly important thing in our life. And realizing the blessings of God that we walk in. Ephesians chapter 1 talks clearly about this. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. 
just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, having been predestined, and so on. It goes on, and these great blessings that God has given us, and, and, and sometimes we don't know the blessings that we have. We miss it. Because we don't walk with faith. We don't walk by faith and we don't see what God's doing. And I was reading a story about a young man who was getting ready to graduate from college. And for many months he admired a beautiful sports car in a dealership in a showroom. Knowing that his father could well afford it, he told his dad, this is exactly what I want. I want the sports car. Well, graduation day came and the young man awaited the signs that his father had purchased a car. And finally, in the morning of his graduation, his father called him into his private study, and he told him how proud he was of him and what a fine young man he had become and how much he loved him. And he handed his son a beautifully wrapped gift box. So curious but disappointed, the young man opened the box and found a great leather-bound Bible. And with that, the young man's face and it had his name in bold and in gold also. He got angry and he raised his voice at his father. And he said, with all your money, you give me a Bible? And he stormed out of the house, leaving the Bible and his father. Many years passed by and the young man was very successful in business. And he, he had a beautiful home and wonderful family. And he realized his father was very old and thought perhaps he should go and, and, and see him. He had not seen him since his graduation day, but before he could make the arrangements, he received a word that his father died and that he willed all of his possessions to his son. He needed to come and immediately take care of all the things. He arrived in his father's house. Sadness filled his life, regret in his heart, and he began to search through his father's papers and saw that new Bible just as he had left it years before. And with tears in his eyes, he opened the Bible and began to turn the pages. And he had carefully underlined a verse in Matthew 7, which said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father, which is in heaven, give to those who ask him? As he read those words, a car key dropped out of the back of the Bible. It had a tag of a dealer's name on it the same dealer that had the sports car he had desired. The tag was dated, the date of his graduation, with the words, paid in full. You think about the blessings of God and how they can be right before us and we don't even see them. We miss them. Praise the Lord that Ephraim and Manasseh were able to receive the blessing that was passed down from Jacob. And you know, in a sense, these cross blessings, in a sense, it makes me think that how God is so sovereign and how he just wants to pour out blessing on all of us. Tonight, even, he wants to bless your life. He's called you to a life of blessing. Now, I'm not talking about prosperity preaching. You know, that stuff's weird, right? But I'm talking about walking in the blessing of who you are in Christ, that you have been redeemed, that you are a child of God, that God is in your life and that you, you're going to heaven. And what a wonderful thing to know, amen? amen? You think of even how God chose Jacob and used Jacob. You know, Jacob was a conniver. Jacob was a manipulator. 
And yet, look what God did with him. But yet, God looks, doesn't look on the outward, does he? He looks on the heart. We know that in the story of David where, you know, they came, the, the, Samuel came to find the new king and he's got all the brothers lined up. Remember, they're all lined up right in front of him, except one. And he goes through and he, he thinks, oh, it must be this tall, dark, and handsome fellow. Well, we already went down that road with Saul. Well, it must be this one. How about this one? And he goes down the line, each one. And he turns to Jesse, the father. He says, you have any more sons? Oh, we got, there's this little shepherd boy. He's out there taking care of the sheep. He probably smells. I could bring him in if you want. Bring him. We're not going to eat until he comes. And he comes in and he anoints David. Because God looks on the heart. See, God is the one who makes sovereign choices on who he raises up and who he puts down. In roles in life, in directions in life, God does these things. Jacob is giving Joseph the double blessing that's generally reserved for the firstborn. But that firstborn had failed, Reuben. He had failed. So God redirected this. And he then takes it and he divides it in two and says, Ephraim and Manasseh. And I'm going to give them a godly name. And there's an incredible comfort and growth that takes place in the children of God through these things. The, the promise that God is with us. That's what he tells them in verses 17 to 22. He's telling them, God is with you. It's a complete blessing. He lays hands on him. He says, listen, the Lord is going to go before you. And that's one of the greatest things about the blessings of God. Are you pursuing the blessing of God? I think of Elisha and Elijah. You remember that Elisha pursued. He wouldn't let Elijah out of his sight. Several times Elijah said, no, I'll go on. You stay here. Elijah's, Elisha's like, oh, no. I want the double portion. I'm staying by you. And he gets there and he sees him. And when he sees Elisha, Elijah go up into heaven, he receives that double portion and that blessing. Are you pursuing the things of God in your life? And are you receiving the blessings of God in your life? Because that's what he wants to give you. He wants to bless you. And he will bless you if you put your trust in him. And you know what? When you've been blessed, you can be a blessing. You can be a blessing to others. Do you realize that's why you're here on this earth? To be a blessing to this world? To be different, to be set apart, to be salt and light so that people can see Jesus Christ. They can see the light of God in you and can be drawn to Christ. That's the purpose that we're here. I have gotten a newfound boldness in sharing my faith with people. I can't help it. Everywhere I go, I had so many incidences, and I'll be sharing more of them at the conference, but so many things happened on our trip to Oregon, our traveling back and forth. One quick one that was so great. We're in this Thai restaurant with another couple, 
And the lady comes over and she's, she says, the, the, the waitress, she says, my name is Nee, without the K. <laughs> so right away, she's joking around with us. And so I did my thing that I do so often where I said, well, listen, Nee, we're gonna pray for our food in a moment. And I'd like to know, how can I pray for you? And she, she just about started crying. And she said, well, I'm Buddhist. And I said, well, that's okay. We can still pray for you. And I said, and Jesus is better anyway. And she, she kind of went, you know, I think you're right. <laughs> She's been witnessed to by other Christians. She's been to church. And so she says, well, my mom and my family in Thailand, they've got a really hard life. And if you could pray for them, that would be great. And I said, you got it. We'll pray for them. And then when she came back over and she's giving us her food and stuff, I started talking to her about the, the Lord and about the Bible. And she had never really read it. And I pointed her, I got her the Bible app on her phone. She downloaded it right there. And I pointed out where she could start reading the Bible and get to know Jesus. And I reiterated again, you know, Jesus is better than Buddha because he rose from the dead. She's like, I think you're right. I, just this newfound faith and newfound boldness that God has given me recently. And, and it's because I want to be a blessing to people. This is what we're here for. If you're just being a grump here on earth, stop it. <laughs> Start being a blessing to people around you. Look for opportunities to bless people. And you'll never know what the Lord will do when you open those doors. Amen? Amen. Well, let's pray together, and I know the brothers are going to come and share a final song. Lord, we thank you so much tonight for your word, how incredible your word is, Lord, and the sweetness of it, the sweetness of this story of Joseph and Jacob and the brothers and incredible things that you've taught us in the book of Genesis, Lord. And Lord, I, I, pray, I pray for every person in this room. I pray that each of us, even tonight, would just even receive a blessing from you. I pray the Lord would bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. And maybe you've never received the blessing of salvation tonight. Maybe you've never even, you haven't opened your heart to the, to the gospel, the good news where Jesus Christ, God the Son, came from heaven to earth and he, he dwelt here on this earth and he died on the cross and on the third day he rose from the dead. He's alive today and he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God and he's praying for you right now. And, and maybe you, you need to come to that. And if that's you tonight, you need to be born again. That's what the Bible calls it, being born again. You must be born again. Jesus said you must to see the kingdom of heaven. So tonight, that could be the greatest blessing of all, that you would open your heart to Jesus Christ. If you want to do that, just pray this prayer right now. Just say, Lord Jesus, I need you, and I'm lost without you. And I open my heart to receive you into my life. I need to be saved from my sin. And I believe that you died on that cross for me. I put my trust in you tonight. 
And I turn away from my sinful ways and I turn to you. I give you my life. Fill me with your spirit. Make me who you want me to be.